If you gotta get out of bed, then you ain't living the dream, Tom. You ain't living the dream if you gotta go out of bed. If you got a really small pain. I hope Sturgill Simpson um, uh, becomes Sturgis Simpson and starts just dressing like a biker and, <laughs> and performing in like Myrtle Beach and Sturgis. Sturgis. <laughs> Kind of like a Garth Brooks to Chris Gaines thing. Right, right. But tasteful. Right. <laughs> I mean, since politics is basically entertainment now, since it is basically like kayfabe entertainment, like how long How long is it going to be until we see politicians start having Chris Gaines type um, side projects? Like what if Ted Cruz had like a, a side project like um, he was – I don't know, like he, <laughs> I don't know, like maybe he um, tries to create a character who is like a skeptical atheist or something like that. You know what I mean? Just as like an, ir- a, an irony project. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I think A Chris Gaines type situation. Yeah. Never mind. Sorry. We got that was <laughs> I shaking the rust off this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was election night in America last night. It was. It was election night in America last night. You got any takeaways? No, Tom, I don't have any takeaways. Not a single one. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's I think what everybody's asking themselves this morning is whether or not the blue wave came. Yeah, well, okay, uh, my friend Alex, who we had on the show uh, earlier this year, was texting me this morning, we were talking a little bit about it, he was like, oh, the, the takeaway that the Dems are, are running with is that this was a blowout for the Dems. They they ran the score? Yeah. They yeah. flipped the house by one seat. Did they? I think... I they think... needed 218 to flip the oh. house, they got 219. Interesting. So, what does that mean? So, like... I guess by two seats, but yeah. What is the so like? What does that mean, basically? Like, uh, you know, just because so like, let's say they didn't get those two seats and they had like right. a majority. Mm-hmm. How does this change that? How does them having this two extra seats? Because th- here's what I saw: they were gunning like. for the super majority. Oh, you gotta have a super majority. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what they were going for. Uh, and then it seems like they um, sort of, you know peter across the finish line interestingly all the people i thought that were shoe-ins to win shit the bed yeah same here and um you know i think um if you're looking at um uh randy bryce iron stash out in wisconsin shit the bed that was pretty crazy i mean i was looking again i was up to like 2 a.m um as soon as we left last as soon as i left Mance last night i was like yeah, I'm not getting any sleep. <laughs> nah. Um Richard Ojeda, West Virginia. Totally. Shit the totally. And I think what what Democrats will take away from that is like, okay, that's cute. You progressives that have had your moment, and it's proven that you're no. I did see several tweets like that, obviously. But um, what I would say is that I think that the DSA school just needs to change their strategy. <laughs> 
Stick a pin in that. That's what I would say. I want to come back to that. All right. Because that's kind of my takeaway. I did I did see something absolutely hilarious at about 1 or 2 a.m. Um, some numbnuts that works for like NBC or something was like, breaking news. The Democrats plan to investigate Trump's tax returns. Oh. <laughs> Damn. It's like, listen, y'all, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil this for you. Every billionaire, millionaire in the country is a goddamn tax cheat. Next next thing. Next question. I don't understand it, Tom. I feel like I've lost my mind. In fact, I'd say it's a, kind of a bipartisan thing. I think everybody in America is a tax cheat. Yeah. <laughs> they just get by with it more egregiously than we do. We'd get audited if we were trying to totally fucking reduce our burden slightly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's also just bizarre. It's like, you think a guy got that rich without cheating? Stepping on somebody. I don't fucking understand. Uh, but anyways, I saw several tweets, though, that basically made the point that you just made, which is that like they were like, Andrew Gillum, Randy Bryce, well, blah, blah, blah. They listed a whole bunch of people that lost. They were like- They were quote-unquote progressives. Yeah. Even though I'd argue Beto and Andrew Gillum weren't even anything near- Progressive. Richard Ojed is a rape apologist that said, uh, yeah, I just don't see any evidence in the whole Kavanaugh thing. And God. fucking Iron Stash, I don't know what his deal is, but he had some shitbirds campaigning for him. You know what I think is very fascinating about that? What? Um, is that I remember when he first launched his campaign, a lot of people on the sort of DSA Twitter left or whatever were like... Who, Ojeda? Uh, Bryce. Richard. Bryce, okay. Was his Randy. Name? Randy. Yeah. Um, he, he ran this video. Do you remember this? He ran this video that was like powerful. Lots of shots of the sun going down behind him, and he's like at a steel, you know, he got a bunch of steel workers around yeah. and stuff. And uh, like everybody was like, this is it. This is exactly the kind of messaging and communications that the do- the Democrats need to have. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Okay, that didn't work. It's like a blue-collar guy uh, <laughs> cosplaying as Richard Trumka. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's like... Um, well, I'll, another thing, too, in that whole thing was was when Paul Ryan announced he wasn't going to seek re-election. Right. Everybody was saying... He's got this in the bag. That's because he's afraid. That he knows that he's behind <laughs> in the polling and that Iron Stash is going to body slam him like... Sergeant Slaughter or some shit. I, um, look, uh, you know, I think the results are so mixed. It's so, def- it's so hard to say definitively whether, like, running more lib, you know, more progressive socialist Democrats. Like, I mean, well, I, I think Felix Biederman had a good tweet about it. I don't know if it was actually about this, but it kind of works for this. But, like, people's political opinions vary so much, and there's so much variation in what people believe that like you just like it negates everything that this whole fucking like consulting class tells you about like focus groups and testing and you know messaging and all this shit it's just like there's no rhyme or reason for it you can just kind of spot trends but i mean they're different from one place to the next yeah and i think it's probably because that sort of professional managerial class thinks that people plug into politics through single issues and that's that's sort of true, but um, if you're talking about a larger political project, um, people need to 
the, the entire reason that anybody would care about politics is to improve their entire lives. Yeah. And those in the lives of those around them. Otherwise, they wouldn't really give a shit about it. Right. So, um, I don't know. That's a whole other issue. Like, that's a whole other sort of, um, you know, like getting into like nonprofits and how like there there is along with the Democrats, there is this entire sort of industry that's tailored towards engaging people on single issues and. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in 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 some ways, I think the results last night were, were, and I mean, I don't mean this. I'm trying to think how to word this without sounding callous. Um, but without sounding callous, yeah. And, and when I say this, I'm just talking specifically about the Democrats flipping the house barely. I think that might may have been the worst of all possible outcomes. That may have been, yeah. Um, as opposed to. Them just not them getting, getting a super majority and all this kind of stuff, or you know, the Republicans holding on to the house. Uh, if the Republicans would have held on to the house, we would have at least known that <laughs> the DNC is actually dead, right? Right, right. Basically, if they would have gotten the super majority and all this stuff, it's just like, okay, fuck, if this is what people want, you know, it's like, yeah, we got to keep organizing, doing what we want to do, but like, it seems like people want this and you kind of accept it. But this is just kind of like they won just enough clout to be able to call it a blowout to hang around <laughs> and say, see, y'all just got to trust the process and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, we take a fair amount of flack and a lot of people kind of in our sphere take a fair amount of flack that that kind of have serious criticism about electoralism. But what I want to say to all the people that were you know i and i don't disagree entirely with with this notion but like you know putting up the little things that are like um you know every everybody that like that thinks electoral politics is rotten but went and voted yesterday did this whole like self-flagellation publicly totally. thing like where it's like um you know i know this doesn't change anything but i think you know if, if we're talking about marginal improvements and it's like okay yeah like of course like every rational adult knows that like minor gains are better than no gains. Nobody's disputing that. But here's the thing. At a certain juncture, like what I think those people need to know is that like there's never going to come a time where there's not going to be a lesser evilism thing in, under this system. Like, like we were like, oh, we got to vote, and then we got to organize and organize. But it's like, if what you're trying to do is not tear down the system as it currently exists, then what makes you think in sixty years that we're not going to be doing the same song and dance? Yeah, what I find so fascinating about that is, um, you're absolutely right. It's like amnesia in the sense that, like, oh, we've been t- told the past twenty years that. Every election is the most important election, and everything. The stakes could not be higher. Have never been higher. (laughs) But what I find so weird about what you were just saying earlier, um, and 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 okay, this this kind of connects to my point that I made yesterday in the DM, which is that 
everything that's bizarre and weird and a little just unsettling to me about the whole get out the vote process is located in the I voted selfie. And it is yeah. exactly for that reason. I hadn't really connected the dots until you just said that. It is either it either serves two functions. It's either to say I'm a good uh, civic participant in the society, et cetera, et cetera. I'm doing my duty as a. I put you know. my sticker on Susan B. Anthony's grave, <laughs> <laughs> which is fucking weird in and of itself. But it's either that or there's the second kind of I voted selfie, which says voting is harm reduction. I know it doesn't change anything, whatever. It's really fascinating to me that we even have to cater to that sort of liberal notion. It's yeah. fascinating that there And all of that stuff, make no mistake about it, is to take a dig at leftists. Yeah, it's weird to me that like we always have to defer to the liberal hegemony like we oh, there is a, a hegemony of liberal thought and liberal theory yeah. and we always have to defer to it right and it's so cynical and it's and this is why what you were saying earlier it, 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 do you find it funny that liberals are always the vulnerable ones in the electoral process yeah republicans are never vulnerable either they're going to win or they're going to lose but they're going to stick like republicans vote for republicans right it's always liberals trying to gain ground. And occasionally they win, like is in the case with Obama. But in order for that to happen first, the Republicans have to tear up 70% of the goddamn planet, i.e. the Iraq War or whatever, for, just to put them in a position yeah. to make big gains. If the Republicans were strictly a managerial party in the same way the Democrats were, with the way that their voting loyalties lie... They'd run. They'd rule for a thousand years, but they're so craven <laughs> that like they. It's like it's like the movie Rounders, where where Ed Norton's character is stacking the deck when they're playing this poker circuit, and he has this line. He says, Matt Damon says that Worm's technique is flawless in cutting the, the deck, but his judgment's a little off. So every once in a while, I have to fold the winning hand just so it doesn't look obvious. Uh huh. And that's what the Republicans <laughs> are not so good at. They're so craven that once every ten years or so. You know, and it's going to happen with Trump. Trump's going to invade Venezuela or fucking Iran or something's going to happen. Probably next year around the election time. I, I, when I say that, I hope that does not happen. God damn. But if John Bolton's at the helm, you can rest assured that. I mean, it might be Cuba. Did you see his fucking batshit thing about. About like um, the Troika of the Troika tyranny. The tyranny, right. I forgot about fucking that. Fucking walrus ass motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's uh, it is pretty bad. What I want to say though about this whole continued deference and 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 um, kneeling at the altar of liberal thought and liberal theory is that like uh, the I haven't fully like sort of thought about this. So these are just kind of you know ideas that are just floating around up here. I need to preface that in case I can get in trouble again or something. Um, but, like, a lot of the people I talked to yesterday and this morning on the left are generally pretty hopeless. You know, still. Like, they're just, you know, there's really nothing. Or nothing there. really changed yesterday. Yeah, nothing really changed. There were a few things I thought were interesting. Um, in, in Louisiana, they voted to where... Um, 
uh, you don't have to, juries can't rule unanimously in Louisiana now in the same like the only two states that do that now are Oregon and Louisiana. Yeah. So that's good and then the voting rights stuff in Florida was But good. what I would say to that is that I mean that's a seriously important thing but Rick DeSantis is also your governor. What well, and, and that's what's and so, you know with these with these ballot measures it's not uncommon for Republicans to come in and undo those. That's exactly what happened here. Yeah. Literally Bashir didn't he restore voting rights for felons and as soon and as Bevin, Bevin came in and undid it and undid it immediately yeah right. so look for that to happen stick a pin in that that is my one big prediction Rick <laughs> Desant or however you say his name yeah who is a fucking bona fide racist is going to probably try to undo that yeah there's some really really bad you know I, I don't even I don't understand how even if you are um sort of on the more progressive liberal side if you're looking at things i really don't understand how you look at it and not come away with some really dark vibes like you see the the brian kemp shit in georgia yeah that's what i mean like i mean it was the most egregious example of like electioneering vote fixing i think i've ever seen well the fascinating thing about it is um i'm not really sure how to start going in here but i'm just gonna fucking do it the fascinating thing about that about the election in Georgia and in Florida, is that, like, you had, and this is probably a sort of liberal talking point or whatever, but you had elections that were um, very openly and publicly rigged. And that's, that just goes by without any commentary. Yeah. <laughs> no serious say? commentary. <laughs> machines <laughs> machines breaking down. Yeah. Uh, one, one poll for a whole fucking community in a metropolitan area you know what i'm saying like wait times three four five hours sometimes you know uh, and brian can't let it out that he started months ago purging people from the rolls right and then when it got the day of like he, he like he was tweeting out shit like stacy abrams is supported by the black panther party Dude. Like, if you believe stacy abrams is supported by the black panther party which would, would fucking rule but if you really believe that you're a fucking idiot <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, just the you know dog whistle and everything else. It's pretty dark, but um, yeah, I don't know. I guess what I was saying, what I was trying to say earlier with this whole notion of like how, as leftists, we're continually having to bow down to the sort of liberal mode of thought, and you always get this on election day. It's that like if we're really invested in changing the system as it exists and not just saying it as some virtue signal on Twitter like I want the revolution I want you got to change the system and all this if we're really serious about that we have to start laying the organizational and institutional groundwork for revolution and that requires a entirely new reorientation of how we approach politics I think right now there exists a sort of, you know, over the Obama years, there sort of rose up a, a sort of managerial professional class of comment, you know, commentariats or pundits or whatever. And shit, we even kind of fall into that in some way. But like for the vast majority of regular David Axelrod <laughs> and Rick Santorum. Hey. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm wearing eyeliner. Um, but, you know. As a result, the discourse over the past 10 years has become so deferential to liberal thought. And and all of our sort of um, 
engagement with politics is only fixated on uh, a specific class. We're talking about the bourgeois. We, if we're serious about this revolution shit, if we're serious about changing things at the sort of root level, we have to totally reorient how we view politics and how we view power is really what it is. Yeah. Because we don't have anything even remotely resembling power right now. Yeah. We have nothing. We don't have the unions. We don't have any sort of like mass militant defense network or anything. Mm. We have me and you sitting in my living room talking into microphones. And that's a lot of what the left is. And we need to get our shit together yeah. because this is serious. And this whole like, I don't know. We're just, I just feel like we're wasting time that we don't have. And, um, you should feel that way too, and you shouldn't feel bad when people are like, "No, you got you exactly what you're saying. Go trust the process. These things take these things take time. Whatever they do take time, but uh, I'd much rather be trying to, like I said, lay the sort of groundwork for a revolution. Yeah, I think we could do that. Yeah, I don't think it's hard. Look, there's there is political will for that. Yeah, <laughs> in in spades. We just don't. I don't think we understand how to harness it, or like anybody. People really. need to start thinking about it seriously, not just as a meme or a stupid thing that you say, or not like a Twitter identity, or exactly. And we need to, I think, sort of. DSA is a political project. Yeah. That's all it is. It's yeah. a little political project. Yeah. It's not a party. It's not invested in trying to coordinate mass action in this country or put pressure on the system or force tipping points or political crises. It's a it's a project. And that's good for a lot of reasons. It was especially good two years ago because it got a lot of people through the doors and talking about some of these things. Right. But it's time to take this shit to the next level. Yeah. Like, we, you know, we are just... We're just at a point where we don't have any even semblance of power. And even if the House and Senate was packed full of fucking Bernie Sanders, the most, you know, socialist, whatever, Democrat part people, the Democratic Party could find. 328 Lee Carters. Yeah. (laughs) Even if you had that, you still would not have power. Power is with capital and how they use the state. And we have to fucking take that back. That's all there is to it. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm just tired. <laughs> no, I agree, man. I, I, I think, um, yeah, a couple of things I was thinking about yesterday when I wanted to, to talk about this today was it was what I was just saying earlier about how that Republicans are almost always never vulnerable in the election cycles, or at least not nearly as vulnerable as Democrats, but also how Democrats stress the importance of voting and all this stuff and like their undying belief in the system, but none of them ever challenge gerrymandering or like that's just never a conversation that happens. Yeah. Or why do we have undemocratic legislatures like the Senate? Well, it's like I was saying on Twitter yesterday, if they don't fucking if they don't start doing that, they're going to have a situation on their hands where this is one of the weird sort of. paradoxes of our current moment like in the sense that like you know you're constantly looking around and seeing how history can't move forward how we're just sort of stuck in the mud Mm -hmm. and i think the the voting stuff is a is an interesting sort of example of that because the democrats have um totally they've adopted this strategy of trying to get 
<laughs> what they've done is they've passed off these sort of uh, obligations for civic duty and all this stuff onto individuals who then try to coerce their friends into going to vote. Or bellhops or... <laughs> exactly. Whoever. What, what you're going to wind up... What's the situation that you're going to wind up having is if they continue with this gerrymandering stuff is that you're going to force people to go out and vote, get high voter turnout, and the only shit on the ballots are going to be Republican-led initiatives and, and referendums and candidates. Well, yeah, that's that's the other thing, too, is like I, I was... You know, I, sometimes I just get fucking bored and I tweet out dumb shit. And I was talking about like Joe Manchin yesterday, for example. And, um, you know, talking about how Joe doesn't deserve your vote, you know, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And somebody had responded that oh, I only voted for Joe just to, 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 uh, as a, to motherfuck Mitch McConnell. And I was like, Vote for Joe Manchin is a vote for Mitch McConnell. I don't understand. And then somebody came in and and agreed with this guy and then said, oh, no, well, at least Joe Manchin will protect Social Security and Medicare. And and here's the thing about that is is that people don't understand is that – and I I mean, I just see this because I have a mother that just is, is, you know, retired and on Medicare and all this kind of stuff now – (laughs) is policy in this country – has shifted so far to the right. Joe Manchin doesn't have to explicitly vote with Republicans to nix uh, Social Security or Medicare or anything yeah. like that. They're not doing enough to push it back left to increase those pools. This is what I'm talking about, a reorientation of the way we view this shit. Yeah. It has nothing to do with who votes for what. It's yeah. like... It's like... It's, they're all... We are... We are, are the, we're, it's a right-wing government. <laughs> they're all enemies of the working class. Right. Doesn't matter if they're a Democrat or a Republican. And I'm, you know, okay, like I'm, I'm, what I'm saying about like a reorientation of how we look at this shit, it's like you need to start looking at the Democrats as your enemy. Yes. They are your enemy. No. You And like, and the reason I say that is because they don't have your interests at heart. They no. don't give a shit about you. No. And so- I mean, like, and and but also they they know too that the next election cycle will be the same thing. Oh, I hate these guys, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my nose and vote for Joe Manchin. I'm gonna hold my nose. Like at some point, we have to break from that orthodoxy. Seriously, you at some point you exactly you have to come to a point where you can't take that anymore. And the last few elections have been extremely hard on me and a lot of other leftists because like we have not reached a point where we've been able to break with that orthodoxy we find ourselves constantly uh virtue signaling to our liberal friends and to our more progressive friends and people like that like oh you know i'm gonna hold my vote nose and vote and all this other stuff i don't know i don't know how we do it but we have to fucking break with that yeah yeah. Well, I mean, continuing in that pattern, like if 2020 pops up and we're still doing that stuff as an electorate. We will be. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, too, though. It's like, you know, it's like, and, and, and this is the same, like, tug of war you have when you go in that booth. It's like, fuck. Well, if if I do, if I don't vote for these motherfuckers, then there's other people out there that are going to be hurt by this and all this kind of stuff. But here's the thing. If that trend continues to go in that direction and we continue to vote like that, and make no mistake, when you do vote like that, 
you're voting. It's a vote of confidence that this thing's just going to correct itself on its own. Yeah. It's kind of the way people talk about the markets under capitalism or whatever. Right, right, right. That's right. never going to happen. That's a fucking dream. Totally. Okay? Totally. You know, and... <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. We are wasting time we don't have, though. <laughs> I know yeah. that. We're wasting yeah. time we don't have. Yeah. And... um things are getting progressively worse and i want to just i i don't know man i it's just like i've been listening to this uh i've been listening to the revolutions podcast about the mexican revolution yeah um pancho zapata yeah emiliano zapata oh yeah baby and um you know the thing about it is that like 100 years ago 200 years ago Whatever. If there was discontent, there was mass discontent. Um, you know, there you would have a convention, you would have a congress or something like that. You would try to gather all of these sort of various people in your sort of radical realm, in your radical sphere of influence, and bring them together and say, "How are we going to work towards revolution?" That is the main thing that we have to do. And look, it's not even me saying this to you. Go read that IPCC report about the about you know rising global temperatures. Right. It literally says it in that report that I mean it doesn't say explicitly revolution, but it says to adequately address the growing climate catastrophe will require the greatest upheaval of institutions, power structures, norms, everything in human history. That is what we have to do. And, like, it's going to take, you know, it's really hard for people to grasp this. It's really hard for people. It's hard for me to grapple with that. But I guess what I'm saying is that this thing spells it out, that we have to, we have to change everything. We have a mandate. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, dude. I just don't think it's that hard. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it is in the sort of actual once it comes down to praxis once it comes down to actually building it up and doing it but i don't think it's as hard as we think it is and i think we think it's hard because the liberals keep telling us that it's hard the liberals keep telling us that the left doesn't have a vision that there is no that we're crazy we're wing nuts we're unrealistic etc exactly you know what what is really unrealistic Continuing to incremental yourself all the way to boiling seawaters, and this is <laughs> the thing is is like you can we can say this we can say like oh like that's unrealistic the liberals blah 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 the fact that we're even having this conversation about what they think is proof of their hegemony <laughs> proof of their hegemony exactly and it's proof that like our movement currently DSA is still a bourgeois movement it is a bourgeois liberal movement and we have to totally. Adjust that. We have to readjust it. We have to stop talking to liberals. We have to, I mean, like, granted, at a certain point in the future, we might need, need them to coalition with them or something like that. But eventually, they're, they're our enemies as well. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing is we have to set our terms. Exactly. We have to set our terms. We have to set I, our terms, and, like, we, and we have to just abide by them. I mean, it's not yeah, comfortable. It's not right. easy. It's, you, you, I mean, I hate to sound, like, nutty to people. I hate to sound like, but... 
it's like the stakes are too high to really give a damn about shit like that. Totally, totally. I mean, and that's the thing I struggle with too. Yeah. It's like I know how nutty it sounds. Yeah, I'm fully aware of that. Yeah. Trust me, yeah. I know how I've insufferable. I've not lost my mind. I know <laughs> what we sound like. I know what it comes off as. But the part of the reason why I think that a lot of us are hopeless and struggling is because the liberals are constantly telling us that we don't have a vision. We actually do. It's a very robust and well thought out vision. It's called, I don't know, there's all kinds of different roads for how we get there. But the fact is, we're not even trying. Like, we, we are in the sense that, like, oh, um, you know, we're in DSA, we're trying to organize, we're trying to canvas, we're trying to get these uh, Medicare for all, this other stuff. But we are not working towards a break, <laughs> a rupture. Yeah. We're not trying to work towards a tipping point. Seek out the pressure points exactly. and leaning on them, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And what I think would actually be required to do that is, I don't know how, it, there needs to be some sort of central organization. There needs to be something that can coordinate mass action and can put political pressure on the unions to do this and that, that you can actually shut things down right. and make demands because that is power. That is power. Th that's that's the, true power. That is actual power. You have to understand that in the eyes of the elite, the mass strike or whatever, just striking in general, labor power is the nuclear to them. It is the it is equivalent to a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Because that like that that's when they know that their fucking game is up. Right. And we and the re and another reason why we're running out of time when I say this is not just because of the climate stuff, because I'm starting to I'm starting to realize that and people have been kind of making this observation for uh, probably since Trump was inaugurated and everything. I'm starting to realize that what's happening right now, especially with um, the expansion of the police state and all this other stuff, is what we're doing right now is we're laying the groundwork. The elite is laying the groundwork sort of philosophically, institutionally, organizationally for a new form of governance – a new form of managing the masses, keeping yeah. the rabble in line, because they know that in the next 10 or 15 years, as the climate accelerates, as society accelerates, we've got more displacement, refugees, crises, stuff like that. They have to readjust how they manage people. The uh, sort of Bill of Rights, Constitution, all that shit is totally inadequate. So what they're doing is in, in, the, in the perfect example of this for me is how they've Start like these hate crime bills uh, uh, about cops, like the, like the Marcy's law, or no, 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 no. That uh, no, this I'm talking about the like, thin blue line laws. And yes, all that the kind thin of blue like line Kentucky, laws. Yeah. How they are creating a class of citizens who are separate from the rest of us. And I think that what you're going to start seeing probably in the next ten or fifteen years, and you've already seen sort of hints of it, like when they said you could run over protesters in North Dakota or whatever and get away with it. I noticed this last week. Do you remember this story in Florida of this student? I think it was at Florida State. She like poured chocolate milk or something like that on a Republican. It was after the massacre. And got arrested. And got arrested for it. Yeah. And the Republicans cried and fucking bawled about it for days like, we're being targeted, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the thing I kept saying about it, uh, the hashtag was jobs, not mobs. They're obsessed with mobs, all this other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, th and think about that language. It's always aimed at... Let's keep it as small as we can. It would not surprise me if you started to see in the next five or ten years and the liberals will go along with this 
hand in they hand. They would die. I know it would not say. surprise me if we started to see the transfer of these sort of hate crime laws from cops to politicians, and then. Oh, it already exists. And then, and then, it's a felony to punch. It's, in yeah. some places, it's a felony to punch an elected official. And, and then, not just that, but Republicans, party officials in general. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, they'll, we, have, they'll uh, have like draconian protections. Like the guy that whipped Rand Paul's ass would totally. probably land in jail for 15 years. Totally, totally. But he's part of the elite, and so they kind of just... Uh, kind of acted like that, right. whatever. Yeah. But like, um, you know... And I think this has to do with the fact that we are entering a new form of capitalism. We are entering a form of capitalism that the West has not seen in over a hundred years. Well, I mean, I'm talking about like a brutal form of it. Yeah. And they are laying the groundwork for that. Well, because yeah, that's they, true. And, and, and it's one thing I know. So, I mean, and, and this is something I, I keep coming back to. Is something I said on the earlier show about when I would go swim those laps at the pavilion in Hazard, and I would see all those like young men filing in there to take the pops test to become cops and what's happening is it's the same thing with the military is like you you've you've sowed enough desperation and discord and all this stuff you already have this like hyper um patriotic message and like if i am a younger guy that needs a job that pays all right, good benefits, whatever, that also has a certain amount of valor to it and has a lower barrier to entry, what am I going to go into? Going to be a cop. I'm either going to be a cop or go to the military. Honestly, I'm at the point where I think it's... I think that that specific... Yeah, it is is militarism. It's just the large umbrella of militarism. It is... It's like what? What are fucking drone bombs for? I mean, yeah, today it's all about terrorists or whatever. But also, ne- next it's going to be about we're going to Congress and fucking uh, fucking Buenos Aires, and they're going to blow us off the map in one fell swoop. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's everything about that military police apparatus is designed at quashing out big mass collective stuff. It's always about shrinking. Well, dude, I don't know if you noticed this. There were two stories in the last week, one in Boston and one in El Paso, where they were doing crowd control exercises. Uh, you know, the cops were doing... Yeah. In, in Boston, it was with the cops. They were doing, like, a crowd control exercise where they were trying to train the cops how to deal with crowds. And in El Paso, it was um, the Border Patrol. Yeah. I remember that that kind of got buried and everything, but there was a mass demonstration. I mean, sorry, there was a... Uh, yeah, well, that's what it was. It was a demonstration. It was a show of force, of military force to people in Beto's like home district or whatever. Yeah. I guess what I'm sh- I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that current American law upholds the rights of the bourgeois, right? Yeah. That's absolutely. the sort of that's the sort of hallmark. That's why police exist is to that's, protect rich people's property. Exactly. That's the sort of hallmark of the Enlightenment. You know, the bourgeoisie have rights, et cetera, et cetera. What you're starting to see now, and I've noticed this with that the girl who poured chocolate milk on whatever, and the expansion of these sort of hate crime laws and others towards cops, is that the bourgeoisie is starting to lose rights. Yeah. Like we are, and so it's the it's the creation of a sort of well, I'm not 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 the bourgeoisie, but certain elements within it are starting to lose rights. Yeah, and so you know, and you could come back to me and say, oh, well, Terrence, but. There's courts, and they pass these laws, and things can always be ruled constitutional. 
as people did tell me yesterday with the Marcy's Law stuff. Like, oh, it could be always re- be ruled constitutional. Uh, well, that was that's always the caveat. Even they were saying that on the local radio reading the returns. Like, a lot of people think this is not going to pass muster. Or it'll be voted down, but, you know, because of its vague wording or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, it doesn't matter, though, because because the elite has already started pivoting to that. And I think that they have become incredibly adept at using the liberals to enact that agenda. Right now, they still keep the liberals around because they need them to enact those kind of laws and initiatives and stuff because they can always rely on the liberals to throw the left under the bus. Always. And the left is the real thorn in their ass. Yeah. And that's why we need power. We need actual power. Yeah, and the sick thing is the left supports these people, too. Totally. And that's why, like, yeah, and this is why, um, you know, trying to get good politicians in office, whatever, if that's your thing, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the energy to fight that battle right now. But what the only energy I have right now, the only thing I'm interested in, is that we need to st- elections that we should start p- running people in is for union leadership. Yeah. Because look, I was talking to my friend Alex today, who's a, you know, uh, you know, in a union. I don't want to dox him or whatever. But um, really, like after Janice, it is unions are shrinking, man. Yeah. I mean, they're not attracting newer members, and you, I mean, you don't have to pay. Well, it's well, it's, in, it's interesting because we were talking about um, the my union in this little work meeting we had a couple of days ago, and I was amazed at how easy it is to get into like being a union steward because nobody wants to do it. And I was like, right, that's interesting. Yeah, and I ain't on seizing that opportunity. <laughs> Seize it. <laughs> I guess whatever the fuck that means for my kind of work, but um, well. But yeah, you're right. It's 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 when you think about unionism as it stands, it's it harkens to an era of like, you know, guys that look like Randy Bryce, and you know, I think of like you know the wars in Burnside and Harlan County and all this kind of stuff. It just it just seems like like all that's bygone, you know. Not to people like us, but I'm talking about like just you know people in general. I think a lot of people don't even think about. I mean. You know, in plenty of little respect, I think, oh, well, unions are good, you know, generally. Look, but, like, they're not concerned with whether they're protected or not. Like, they just, you know. Look, people think that this is a lot harder than it actually has to be. Um, you know, are you familiar with the Maganistas? The what? The Magon brothers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, were, yeah. like, a, as a part of the Mexican Revolution, right, they right, were, right. like, anarcho-communists um, who agitated with IWW leading up to the right. Mexican Revolution. Like, it's not, go to, you know, go to any sort of, it's like we we're saying the workers at McDonald's or any of these, like, other workplaces. I read this, I read this um, incredible uh, investigative piece a few years ago. I've told you this before. It's stuck with me ever since because it was so horrifying. It was about a furniture factory in North Carolina and about how the workers there, just after working there for a few years, their hands start to go numb, their feet go numb, they can't smell anything, and it's because they're surrounded by glue. Yeah. All the time, they're breathing fumes from glue in a furniture factory. You think those people don't have legitimate grievances that if you went to them and said, look, you know, for your own survival, you need to band together with your fellow employees, regardless of race, color, or, you know, sex, gender, whatever. If you're going to survive, if you don't want to have to work to stay alive, 
here's a pamphlet. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. Hand them a fucking pamphlet. Yeah. They go, they set it down on their counter when they go home, and then they keep looking at it though, and they say, "Oh shit, I can't feel my left hand today." There is that pamphlet though. Well, you know, I can't smell anymore. I don't. I can't pay my bills anymore. But fuck, the union's telling me that you know there might be. That's all we've got. Yeah. Like, and and it there isn't even an organization or anything. Like, the, we don't have you know an entrenched like unions or organizations or anything like that anymore. But we can make it if we want it. Yeah, we can do it if we set our minds to it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Look. I don't know. I just think humans working together can do some really incredible things. Like, if we built fucking pyramids in, like, Mexico or Central America, surely we can do this. Yeah. We can topple this fucking government. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, this is uh, I, you know, I think this is more hopeful than we were last last week. <laughs> But that's all, that's all it is, man. And that's all it's always been. And it's right here in front of us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like we've been sinking our time and effort and resources into all these like electoral strategies and stuff. And I'm not going to beat that horse anymore. The thing it's is, like, that's, it's like, that's fine. It's whatever. But what are we doing in the workplace? We internalized the deeply liberal notion of innovation. Yeah. Innovation is counter-revolutionary. It is. And we and we and somewhere along the way we thought, "Oh, we can innovate the political process. We can inter- we can innovate social justice and change." And it's the same it's that same kind of hubris that's going to fuck us when climate catastrophe exactly. comes. Because we just think we can out-engineer our way it's out of hubris. any climate crisis. Yeah. The only thing that can fix the climate crisis is the worker state, the yeah. peasant state. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, it's you're right. It, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. This is it, this is the left does have a vision. It's just that it's we 1848, just... 1848, baby. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing about 1848 was... <laughs> actually, 1848 is a good example because 1848 probably looks a lot like what's going on right now. It, start, it, was a, it started out as a petty bourgeois movement. And the problem with all bourgeois movements and petty bourgeois movements is that they are indulgent and they are hopeless. I mean, in the sense that, like, eventually they tap in... The emotional reserves they tap into is... The, Despair and hopelessness and indulgence. Yeah. What we need to tap into is materialism. Yeah. That's our greatest weapon, and yeah. it's the working class's greatest weapon. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just don't have. A That's lot. it. That's it. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing else there's needs nothing to be else. said. I don't it's, know. it's. It's. It's just. Uh, it's just. It's just pretty. Um. Exhausting. <laughs> Uh, pretty exhausting, Tom. But I, I, but I think that we can do it. I think so, Tom. Look, people have done way more with far less, and people always say, you know, and every time I get in these conversations, people are always like, "Well, what about the fact that they have nukes in the military and the greatest surveillance apparatus ever?" We're gonna die anyways. You realize that, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're going to die anyways. Like right. in twelve, fifteen, twenty years. We can either choose to do this now. We can choose to fucking fix this now. And and we will incur some consequences. And I'm not doing what I did last week and trying to tell people to be martyrs, whatever. Because I think that sacrifice looks very different for every single individual. individual. Yeah. But I'm saying if we set our minds... Well, we're not even talking about like... like Without even getting into stuff like laying down your life or all that kind of shit. Yeah, like, not, we're not even talking about that. What we're talking about is... 
is showing up to pull a lever every two years ain't gonna fucking exactly yeah and that's and that's that's just that's it you know <laughs> I ain't gonna get it well and it's the thing is is that like I I'm not even saying because I don't even think we ha- I don't even know if we have any liberals in the audience at this point the only reason that I'm even going on about any of this is is that like I think that the existence of despair and hopelessness among a lot of us on the left is because we're always looking in the mirror of liberalism and what we're seeing back is we don't like it no. because they don't like it. No, and that mirror also tells us this is you. Exactly. It pulls you back in. You know what I'm saying? Liberalism exactly. is a hell of a drug. It and is. I'll tell you what it is. It's because it's like I, 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 st- I, st- I find myself like nostalgic for a time when I was like a liberal almost sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It felt good because it, it you had none of the responsibilities with – all of the satisfaction of feeling like you were on the right side of things. Totally. It's well. It's just, without having to do anything. Yeah. It, it's very other than like be called a snowflake or something by your racist <laughs> uncle. You know, that's it. Like that's 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 the worst persecution <laughs> as a liberal you will have to put up with. Yeah. No. That's that's you're absolutely right. Um. But it is also this. It is also this deep faith in the system and in. A view of humanity that does not exist. The view of humanity says, um, the liberal view of hum- humanity says that the arc of the moral universe bends towards justice. Look, it doesn't. History is made by humans. It is, that is materialism. Yeah. That's what is at the heart of it. History is made by humans, and society is made by the struggle between classes. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I, I love Martin King. I think he's one of the best Americans we ever produced. He was not a Marxist, but that's not. That's not right. <laughs> Look, we, you know, and um, that that's not to discount because he's. I think he's the shit. But you know, that's just not where he was at. Right. Um, but regardless, like, um, I don't know, man. Um, I I just I don't think that uh, if you're uh, if you're on the left, the I think the hopelessness and despair and everything. I think that it's um, it's the liberals winning. You know, yeah. that's that's how they win at the end of the day. They want they actively want the left to be repressed and impotent and not, you know, sh- capable of enacting any kind of program. Right. And um, if we are in going to deal with what's at hand, you know, growing fascism, uh, climate change, et cetera, like we have to repivot and reorient how we view this shit. Yeah. And um I don't know, man. I don't know. I got nothing else to say, Tom. I got nothing either, man. I think that's that's where we stopped. <laughs> well, we're not quite. We're not even at an hour yet. We're still fifty minutes. But I'm gonna pee, and then um, well, I don't know. I want to read the. I don't have speaker pieces this week because I haven't been to the office yet. But um. I want to read that press release from the Florida GOP. Okay. About like, I think that's a pretty good press release. Okay. Pretty good speaker, too.
problem is that I, the, the quality of this show suffers because I am holding in the biggest piss imaginable every single episode because I invariably chug coffee before every episode. Um, let's read this. Uh, this press release is from Florida State, Republic, State, Re- State University College Republicans. <laughs> Statement on Tuesday's incident while tabling on land. This Tuesday, while tabling out on Landis Green. (laughs) (laughs) You just said that. (laughs) Our vice membership, yeah, our vice membership chair, Daisy Judge, uh, great fascist name, by the way. Daisy Daisy Judge. Had a drink thrown on her by a passerby with a communist button. While talking to two missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, who had grabbed Trump stickers, the student approached the table and began yelling that our organization and our members were racist for supporting their president. Despite continued civil efforts by Ms. Judge to resolve the situation, the student continued to yell and berate her for her beliefs. They then escalated to yelling about the recent shooting that occurred in Pittsburgh and proceeded to hold us responsible for it. Which you are. Which you're on the hook you for. You are 100% responsible for it. She then proceeded to throw her drink on our member and continued to scream. And when a passerby interjected to calm her down, she threw the remainder of her drink on them. After this, she kicked down the DeSantis sign we had placed by our table and yelled at the camera. When asked to leave, she said she would just because she had class. <laughs> I think, I think she If I had to go to class, I'd kick your fucking ass. <laughs> I've used that one before. Um, by the way, this is not a knock on this girl because I think this is pretty fucking hilarious and badass. 
This latest ordeal, which hits the home for many of us on the executive board, is an alarming display of the extremely charged political environment that has arisen in recent months and years. No person, regardless of where they fall on the political spectrum, yeah, sure, I, I highly doubt you believe that, should be targeted and assaulted because of their political beliefs. Oh, the, these are people that are absolutely going <laughs> to vote to execute communists in 10 years when it gets on a ballot measure in fucking totally. Florida. Absolutely. We are glad that no serious physical harm came to our vice membership chair and will always stand up for the basic rights and respect that every one of our members is endowed. We must never be afraid to stand up for our own beliefs, but we must always remember the elements of love, respect, and dignity that every person deserves. <laughs> this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier this week about how I saw this, um, you know, every few months you see these like studies that come up that are like, oh my god there's sort of like scientific sociological studies that are like liberals and republicans just aren't living together close to each other they don't want to be neighbors they don't shop at the same places or anything like that it's just like no fuck no fucking shit like i don't want to be friends with people who think it's okay to like try to convert gay people to being straight or who like indirectly foster genocidal rampages in synagogues those people need to be pushed out of society. They need to have their political rights stripped from them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God damn. No, I agree. There's this picture floating around of this this guy, Colton, who was a Beto boy. In person, I'm sorry. I and, saw that. I yeah. saw that. We can always be friends at the end of the day. Yeah. Look, th- this is kind of relevant. Because someone was asking us the other day, like, oh, I'm not fully on board with the socialism thing because the dictatorship of the proletariat and all this shit. Look, the dictatorship of the proletariat just means that those people who who push this kind of violence and, and reactionary uh, paranoia and everything else on the masses, we push them out of polite society. In fact, we probably send them to a fucking labor camp on an island off the coast of South Carolina where they can break some rocks and think about what they've done. <laughs> That's what the dictatorship of the proletariat is about, and I'm all for that shit. Because fuck these assholes, man. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm right. I'm fucking tired of this shit. Oh, man, I'm so fucking tired of this shit. I don't know, man. I, it's just like... I And I don't think it's impossible <laughs> that we could do it. That's it. Like, I'm with you, man. I don't know. Um. Anyways, anything... Any... Uh, any additional thing well i was just wondering if uh you wanted to comment it is now uh remember your talking point season what is that oh because are we uh thanksgiving dinners up (laughs) (laughs) speaking of civility just be yourself i mean just fucking be yourself that's the thing like it's weird that's what's really cool totally totally I mean, well, the thing is, man, is it's like this is a this is a lesson I learned in Christianity that does transfer over to this, and that I think that you should think your actions do speak louder than your words. If you want to argue with somebody about not being racist or whatever, that's your prerogative. But if unless you're out like trying to build a mass movement that can actually defeat the racists, (laughs) then those relatives are just going to see you as a little, you know, like oh, that's cute. Make them, them know, make, them, make them think you're not cute. Yes, let that's them know. Yeah, let them know that you don't give a fuck what their political beliefs are, because you will win and <laughs> quite possibly subject them to. And one day you're going to be very embarrassed for the things you've believed in now. Exactly. Exactly. You let them know that they will one day regret every fucking belief they held. Yeah. 
Because that's what and we... And their life, as they, in the closing moments of their life, <laughs> they will rue the day they ever believed this shit. <laughs> exactly. That's justice, my friend. That's justice. The justice is letting your racist uncle go to his grave knowing his life was a sham. <laughs> That's the best justice. It, I mean, it ain't about like fucking cutting motherfuckers' exactly. hands off with the guillotine. Ain't, ain't nobody even seen a goddamn guillotine exactly. in a hundred years. Exactly. All right. It's, you know what it is? Yeah. No, it's about just fucking winning. <laughs> That's the thing, man. It's easy to get despair. Because, like, look, elections bring out the fash. That's all there is to it. Elections are reactionary moments. They bring out reactionary uh, tendencies and beliefs, even in the left, mm-hmm. you know, and especially among the liberal bourgeoisie, yeah. and they push that shit off onto the rest of us and have us thinking like, "Oh, we'll never be able to win." Like, look at these hooting, baying masses of fascists and all this other stuff. We can beat them. The workers working together can beat them. It's possible. Yeah. We can do it. Yeah, <clears throat> and we can. Send them to their grave knowing that their whole life was a fucking... a farce. (laughs) You know what we need, too? You know what we need, too? You know what we need, too? We need a snappy slogan that echoes through eternity. (laughs) You know, I was thinking... I was watching... You talk about the Mexican Revolution. I was visiting my my uncle rerun the other day, and he said, Is that Zapata on the back of your shirt? He said, Man, I just watched something on the History Channel about him. I said, oh, yeah, did you? He said, yeah. He said "He said that uh, it's better to die on your feet than live on your knees. <laughs> it's like, God damn, that is good. That is a good fucking <laughs> thing. <laughs> that is really good. Um, yeah, no, the thing about the Mexican Revolution and the thing about our current moment that I find so interesting is sort of what I was saying earlier. Like, you know, 100, 150, 200 years ago... If you um, if you came to the conclusion that things were not working as they are currently, yeah. you would organize a Congress, let's say, organize a convention. In our case, what I would like to do is like a communist Congress or a communist convention or something where we get together and we say, look, if we're serious about changing this shit, we've actually got to start working towards that. Yeah. And we have to coordinate sort of nationwide, not just nationwide, technically internationally is really what we have to start doing and the thing is it's just so interesting to me that like all of us seem to think that like that's beyond the pell or that like starting a party or that doing doing anything really is uh just sort of hopeless and you know the best we can do is just sort of like we work within our sort of dsa circles and stuff like that we can do anything we want whatever the fuck we want to do yeah and we don't really have a lot of time left. So, like the, so the point I'm trying to make is that, like, the the you know the sort of philosophical undergirding of Marxism is that like humans make, create, and change history. We can do that. Yeah. We need to start having more faith in our instincts. I yeah. guess is what I'm saying. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Really, that's what we need to <laughs> do, man. We need a communism that is mediated through. <laughs> Self-help. Self-help, but but in a real way. But in a real way. We don't need to fall into this trap of, like, you know, when things are bad, we need to obviously point that out, but we need to try our best not to devolve into nihilism. I, yeah, seriously. Um, if for nothing else, for morale. 
Yeah, exactly. For nothing else, for morale. But also, I think nihilism is just indulgent, and yeah. this is why. This is what I mean when I say the working class doesn't have the luxury yeah. of indulgence. They don't have the luxury of nihilism. No, it is make or break all the time. That's just full stop. That's it. Yeah. It's make or break. Like yeah. we don't have time for this. Um, we don't have time for this. Getting our hopes up for um, a democratic candidate here. That we're running out of time. Yeah. And you know, let me tell you when it comes, when it comes, when it comes, we need to always keep our fucking foot on their goddamn necks. Totally. And we don't need any liberal scabs like fucking Gorbachev and the Soviet Union or anything like that. <laughs> I know that that's a very simplistic read of uh, the Soviet Union fell and all that. But there's a strong argument to be made that Gorbachev's commitment to innovation and assimilation and everything else with the world. That's a good point. He he bought into the liberal theory of change. Right. He d- he did not buy into the revolutionary theory of change. Exactly, and that's why in uh, like 2010, he went from being you know the great communist leader to appearing in Louis Vuitton ads. Totally. <laughs> so, Is he really? Yeah, he really did. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, my <laughs> my first. My first reference for Gorbachev, I really, well, I mean, obviously, the whole fucking, uh, you know, when the Soviet Union, the tension between the U.S. and the Soviet Union was all over pop culture with, like, Rocky and Ivan Drago and all that shit. Yeah. But the one thing I really remember is, remember Street Fighter? Uh, The game? The video game. Yeah. Remember Zangief? Yeah. The big burly Russian guy? Right, right, right. Did you ever beat the game with him? No. If you beat the game with Zangief, Street Fighter 2... And in the victory screen, it's Zangief doing that little, <laughs> like, yeah. whatever dance that is. You Hold know? your arms with, up and with Mikhail Gorbachev, and you and you see this little really? pixelated guy with like the red <laughs> thing on his head, the port wine stain. Yeah, he's got a birthmark that looks like the country of Lithuania. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guarantee people thought he was the Antichrist because of that. Oh yeah, you're probably that right. Seems like a, you're probably yeah. right. Definitely an Antichrist mark of the beast or something um well anyways um anyways is there anything else that we did this past week or something any news or anything you want i'm sorry for this has not really been a a very laughable episode i'm just not really in the mood to laugh or make jokes right now i'm just like i'm pissed off tom i'm not a democrat or republican i'm pissed off you're pissed off big dog I'm just fucking exhausted, man. I'm tired. I'm tired of people. I'm tired of people who have the exact same educational background as me, are sub, are knowledgeable of all the same uh, trends of history and books and authors and everything, but at the end of the day, still think that we can reform our way out of this. You're smart. Don't devalue yourself like that. Yeah. That, look, like the only hey, <laughs> the best piece of advice I got ever. I ever got excuse me I think I'm fucking got Lyme disease or some shit it was you know just, just be somebody be somebody you know <laughs> isn't that the message of A Star is Born you just gotta ha- have something to say and you gotta know how to say it bro yeah, and it, it's, yeah that's something I'm talking about <laughs> R.I.P. Jackson Maine you know a funny a funnier ending to that story a much more complex and f- and potentially interesting ending to that story would be if Jack Main was me too'd instead of <laughs> oh for being cr- like creepy at first like in the bar or or just for 
you know, some other uh, thing. But rather than like spiraling down the drain of addiction and depression, he just gets me to it in his career. Just sort of, you know what I mean? Like that would have been an interesting movie for our times. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, <laughs> hey, any idiot can piss herself at the Grammys. <laughs> totally. No, no, that was. Yeah, pretty depressing movie. That's also kind of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't watch that shit if you need a little pep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I just want to remind everybody, uh, please go check out our Patreon, um, www.patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Trillbilly Workers Party. That's T-R-I-L-L-B-I-L-L-Y Workers, no apostrophe, party. And, um, and like and subscribe, please. Click if you like us. Click if you like us on Facebook. And, um, you know, $5 a month will get you generally about four or five episodes a month. We put it one out every Sunday. This coming Sunday, I think I might give you the weekend off if you want it. <laughs> I mean, Katie might do an episode about uh, um, Rosa Luxemburg and um, the, Trot- the Trotsky essay what is fascism and how do you stop it right I, th- I think that's what the title is what what fashion is what fascism is and how to stop it <laughs> i think i'll take the weekend off. i hate to uh tease that out and it not actually come into fruition but that's currently what we have planned for this weekend's episode so. <laughs> sounds good um and you want to plug the show yeah not this friday but next friday november the 16th Beautiful Whitesburg, Kentucky. Come on down. We're going to have Tommy Wright the third. Uh, Lee Baines three and the Glory Fires, Nicholas F. Uh, and many, many more. And the rumor is that the uh, the Street Fight guys are going to be in the building. Ho, 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 ho. Means TV. Big dogs. Going to be in the building. So, uh, yeah, I noticed there, there's, um, <laughs> we only have one hotel. Uh <laughs> And I, it ain't the Ivy Leagues, I'll tell you that. I have a couch and a half couch, um, and I will not give it to just anybody. You've got to make a strong case for why you will not come into my house and murder me and steal my <laughs> podcasting gear. And also, I think there's there's a lot of like um, rental houses, like air, people Airbnb in their houses out and shit like yeah. that. So, but yeah, come hang out with the big dog. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're pissed off, big dogs. (laughs) 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 All right, we're done. (laughs) All right, we'll see you later.